following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. God is good. I'm glad we're in this sanctuary and it's a good time. Because when two or more gathered, he's in our midst. He's here. Did you come believing today? I hope you did. Maybe you could lower this down a little. I hear an echo. Yeah, there we go. A little bit. Yep. It's nice when you come into a place where people think like you think. Have faith like your faith. Have a hope in one as you hope in one. And that one is Christ. That's what Christmas is about. It doesn't matter if he was born the 25th of December. There are those that argue over that. It's just the idea that he came. He came for you and he came for me. He came for us so that we can gather in his name and worship the Father through him. Would you bow your heads with me this moment? And let's just pray before we move on. I love praying. There's something about when we pray to you, Father, through your Son, Jesus. You hear us. You see us. And we feel the warmth of your love. And I feel it now. Your presence is here. And I pray, Lord, that before we leave this place, we'd be overwhelmed with your presence. So that others would see the love that we have and the Christ that's in our heart. As we go forth examining your word and handling it with with reverence, looking to absorb so that we be fed when we leave this place. Bless everyone here. Answer the prayers of everyone's heart, I pray. And meet the needs of the hour, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone in agreement says, Amen. Amen. Praise God. God is good. That's all I know. And that's all I want to know. Is His goodness. For His goodness is, is astounding. Forgive me, I had to put some paperwork in front of me so I could see. And I had to make extra print. You know, as you get younger, you see better, you know. But anyway, in preparation, um, I've come to see that there's a process to be seen in the act of believing. Last week, Pastor shared with us the lives of Jarius and his daughter, of 12 years along with the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years a daughter of Israel and as I examined this closely and as pastor spoke last week my mind was catapulted to something and it took me a little while to see it but it's there sometimes in scripture 
there's things there and we don't see it. You ever get that? You say, I read that before. I read that a hundred times. I never seen that before. It's because now's the time for you to know it. Now's the time for you to see it. It's now the time to act on it and apply it to your life. So I want to point out something not implied, yet said in action. I want to point out something in Luke, in the 8th chapter, in the 41st and 42nd verse, and it says, And there came a man, Jarius, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. That's heavy. But there's something here that I want to point out. It it raises a question. How did Jarius know to come to Jesus for help? How did he know? Well, I think if we read on with that story a little bit more, it says, and I'm going to look at Mark. And we're going to look at the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, the daughter of Israel. And there's an answer for us. In Mark, in the 27th chapter, the 5th verse, Mark writes, She had heard, who? The woman with the issue of blood. The daughter of Israel. For 12 years she had this problem. She had heard the reports about Jesus. And came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Touched the hem of his garment. And then in Matthew, Matthew tells us in chapter 9 verse 21, She said to herself, If only I touch his garment, I will be made well. In the Greek it's, she kept repeating this to herself. You ever walk, you have an issue in your life, and there's problems, and you walk around sometimes in the days, and you're talking to yourself, what am I going to do? How am I going to take care of that problem? How is that need going to be met? How am I going to get dinner on time on the table? You know, little things, big things. We walk around, we talk. Then Luke shows The result of her action, she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. It starts inside first. Talk it over with yourself. Get the word in there. Talk. Then, after you do that, Say to yourself, I'm going to touch. I'm going to do it. You see, you got to hear the word first. That's why we come to church. That's why we come to this fellowship. Is so that we can hear a word. I don't know, do you come here looking for a word? I do. I come every week. I'm here. I want to hear a word. I want a word from God to sustain me and keep me for the week. For the events that are coming up. 
We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. So I want to be prepared. I need a word. I need a word from God. And then when you get that word, ask yourself, talk to yourself a little bit. Is it for me? Can it help me? And then talk it over with God. And you'll see, he'll lighten you. But you got to take action. If you don't take action, the word is nothing. There's an action that you have to take. Now, I didn't want to get into any discourse over this. It was just my way of introduction to bring us to the event that's going to take place right now. And if you would, open up your Bibles. And if you would, stand and give reverence to God's Word. There's something about God's Word. Chapter 9, verse 1. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staffs, nor bags, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you went to stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Last verse. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. You may be seated. Thank you. Verses 1 and 2. There's a question that arises sometimes in our lives. And maybe even the apostles when they were called. Do you know who you believe in? Do you know the master of your soul? When we look at this first verse, it says, after, after everything that transpired before Jarius, the woman with the issue of blood, and even the things before that. After all that, Jesus called. Sukaleo. That's the word, the Greek word there. To call together, to assemble. In actuality, the, the other phase of the meaning to call together to oneself. He was calling them to himself. God calls us. You ever notice there's a lot of songs out there about calling up Jesus? <laughs> I remember one, uh, Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Call him up, call him up. Let him know you'll want. Then there was one song, I I heard it back in 1974, I'm dating myself now. We were saved about a year, my wife and I, and and, um, at that time I had um, 
two girls and one boy. And we were watching a program, and they happened to have this group called Manhattan Transfer. And uh, I don't know if you ever heard of them. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But they had one song that I have catch every year, so to speak. And, and the song was Operator. And they go, operator, give me Jesus. Operator, give me long distance. Long distance, you know, I want to get in contact with Jesus. Faith is the exchange, and heaven's the number. And it went on and on. But they had those calls, and, and I remember that so distinctly. It was on some special on TV, so... Uh, but it was interesting. But not too many songs about God calling us. Oh, there may be one or two. I could think of two I thought of the other day. But there's not many as compared to those calling Jesus. <laughs> calling him up. Well, he called out. They responded. There's an invitation that comes with that also. He calls them, and the other word, calling, kleos. They had a calling on their lives. We all have a calling. A call, an invitation. That's what the Greek word means. A calling to. In theology, uh, they use it, they, they, they use that particular word to uh, designate the divine invitation to man and share in sharing the gift of salvation. Let me look at this one verse. I want to go to this one. It's 1 Corinthians, if you please. There are you, 7, chapter 7, verse 20. And this calling is here. Well, maybe that's not it. Nope, it's not it. I'm sorry. My mistake. I'll, I'll get to it later. But in Romans eleven twenty nine and First Corinthians one twenty six, along with seven twenty, the word calling is used. We have a calling on our life, and when we look at it, it says, "Then he called the twelve disciples together." Luke six thirty. Tells us this, and when they came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve. So there was more than twelve, whom he named apostles. The twelve, he names them, who he wants, and we all know who that is. We don't have to go through that. He calls twelve from a larger. How can I say uh, fellowship? or from a larger group of disciples. And there was also 
included within that group women. You're not left out, ladies. And that you will find out in Luke 8, 1 to 3. Mark 3.13 alludes to more disciples also believed to be in the 70s, 72 maybe. There's some discrepancies along that line. So it's not just to a few people, it's to a body. And yet he'll call out of that group some individuals to be in authority, to be the head, to help, lead us, guide us, such as pastor and others. I think of Marty leading us in song. I can't play like he plays, and I can't sing like he sings. He calls us. We see also he gave them power and authority. This is an imparting and power and authority, dunamis and exousia. What is this power that he gives, that he gave them? Is it the power that we experience today after the day of Pentecost? No, it's a different. It's imparting. Because he told them to go out and spread the knowledge of the kingdom of God is at hand. It was still under Old Testament. This was an imparting upon them a power to exert the authority, the right that they have, that Christ gave them to go out and preach the gospel, the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. And to bring healing to those that were hurting within their body. To deliver them from the arch enemy of their soul. Devils, unclean spirits, lying spirits, spirits of jealousy. And go on and on, but they're there. And they went out. Dunamis is the force behind exousia, the right. The right to go and preach. You have a right to talk about Christ. Did you know that? You have a right. He's giving you the power, the authority to go out. Then we see in verse 2, the commission. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. The kingdom of God. That was to let them know that the Messiah is here. And that he's about to do something. He's about to bring a change. Yes. Next thought I'd like to share with you is know what you believe. In verses 3, 4, and 5, we see... There's things here. Let me look at that for you for a minute. And where are you? Three. 
And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, nor bread, no money, and do not have two tunics. Take nothing for your journey. Back then, it's been said that the rabbis of the day had a rule that one should not enter the temple area with a staff, shoes, or a money bag to avoid the appearance of being engaged in any other business than the service of the Lord. And Leefield stated that the forbidding of a bag may be the kind of frequently used by itinerant philosophers, religious mendicants, for begging. So there was a reason why Christ had this, put this out there for them to um, do what they had to do, so to speak. Take nothing for your journey. For us today, it's like, don't get caught up. You don't need a staff. You don't need a bag. Now, the bag was for vagabonds, or it was called a beggar's bag. Some, they would put the money for those that would come begging as Leafield stated. Take nothing. Take notes. Take notes. Don't take on the world. Don't allow the world to invade your life. Don't let the world dictate to you, but allow the Word of God to show you. Whatever it takes... Verse 4, whatever house you enter. I'm sorry I'm not going into the historical accounts, the depth of this, but in those days they they went to house. The, the Jews were hospitable people back then. They were taught that through the Torah. The rabbis taught them all this. Hospitality was a way of life, especially over in the eastern parts of the world. They're very hospitable. And so I knew it. he wanted them to stay in one house, not go from house to house, but to stay in one house. It made it a focal point, a center where others can come. They would meet in the market, meet somebody. They would invite them to the home. They would go to the home and stay there. And they would tell them the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. And if there was any deliverance need, they received it. And anyone else that came. But they knew where to go because they know they're staying over Mary's house. Or they're staying over Joe's house. That's where they stayed the whole time that they were there. And until the mission was accomplished, then they went to the next town. They went from town to town, from village to village. And then he warns them, now, if you go into a town and they don't want to hear your word and they start giving you a hard time, leave and thus 
off your feet. Shake off the dust off your feet. Guzik wrote, If Jews had to go in or through a Gentile city as they left, they would shake the dust off their feet as a gesture saying, We don't want to take anything from this Gentile city with us. Essentially, Jesus is telling them to regard a Jewish... Let me get over there. To regard a Jewish city that rejects their message as it were a Gentile city. That's just basically what he was telling them to do. My last thought is this. Know why you believe. That's interesting. That's verse 6. And they departed. But you know what something was interesting to me when I was reading this? If we would just read... One, two, skip three, and go all the way to six. They proclaimed the kingdom of God to heal. He sent them out to do this. And then when we get to six, and they departed and went through. So what's in between, sandwiched in between these verses, is direction. It's direction for you, for me, for them. Especially them. They were a prototype. Because later on, if you read on and get to chapter 10, you'll see 70 went out. They were a prototype. They were examples for us. This whole portion of scripture is an example for us in what we need to do. To take verses 3 to 5 and take it up a notch and spiritualize it and make application to your life for today. He says, depart. He says, departed. They departed. They departed maintaining belief. They believed what Christ had said. They took it to heart. Why? Because they came to know him. Everything that transpired up to now, they seen the master in the works of doing everything that he told them that they should do. He was the prime example for them. And now he's telling them, now go out and practice. It's like, it's like when a preacher studies and he preaches his heart out. Did you ever hear the example, practice what you preach? Well, that's what it is. Now practice what you've been preached. And they departed. And they departed with a hope that this is going to work out. This is going to be. They had a trust in the master who gave them the words. Peter was the one that said, how can we leave you? You got the words of life. We gave up everything to follow you. It's like 
I've been saved almost 45 years, I think. Maybe a year or two more. How could I give him up all these years of his faithfulness? Him working things out with me and for me. He can't. They departed with a hope, trust. It's like when Peter, we were talking about it this morning, how he got out of the boat and went towards Jesus. That took trust to get out of that boat. Not hope, but trust. Trust and a belief that he was able to sustain him and to keep him. It's a faith. It's a four-engine, a four-piston engine that we ex- we live on. Hope, trust, belief, faith. They all got to be in shape and hitting, tapping in our life as a, walking with the Lord. They maintained their belief as they went their way. They left with hope, showing forth faith in what they would do. They went throughout the villages proclaiming the good news, the gospel, that the kingdom of God is at hand. But they didn't just have talk, they had action. As they laid hand on the sick, they recovered. Those that were bothered by unclean spirits, devils, as Luke puts it. There was action because of their faith, and it came forth. And then they came arriving at the place of everywhere. In other words, because they got it going. You ever get an engine, it, it stalled out on you, and then you got the engine going, you, you know, you primed the pump in the day, you used to pour gasoline in the carburetor. Or if you had one of those cans that had ether in it, you would take one shot in it and start it and it would get and it would and then it Well that's what happened with them. They went along and they got the carburetor going and the engine was working. And they went out to the highways and to the byways, from village to village, proclaiming the gospel. Healing everywhere. Deliverance everywhere. Hope everywhere given to those that were down and out and looking for some, looking for a difference, looking for a change, looking for a brighter tomorrow. I just want to share some observations with you, if you don't mind. I think of a verse. See, this whole story is, the pastor said something, the sent ones, he sent to me. He says, that's your title? I said, no. I should have used it. It was a good one, the sent ones. They were sent out by the master the savior of their soul, the sent ones. I don't know how many of you may have read this verse in chapter 11, verse 30. It says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. 
I heard someone say once, winning a soul over is of life healthy and wise. The fruit of the righteous. He's my righteousness. We put on his righteousness. And we, how can I say, reap his fruit as he lives in us. He gives us fruit. And that word life is a Chaim, and it's a noun, it's a genitive of product. And that Bible puts it this way, what the righteous produce, that's fruit, is like a tree of life, a long and healthy life as well as life-giving influence and providence or provisions, excuse me, provisions for others. He that winneth souls is wise. Being wise is catching souls that word winning means capture the the ESV says capture Pooh likes to use catch like Peter catching fish Jesus said throw the net over and he did and he caught a load that's what it is Four nineteen, Jesus told Peter and the other disciples, Follow me, and I will make you fishes of men. And then in 5.10 of Luke, he says, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. Sometimes, his brother was saying he was thrown like this. <laughs> you catch him one at a time with a hook. Sometimes you throw out a net. Whatever technique you like, or use. Some like fly fishing. Some like deep sea fishing. But whatever type of fishing you like, fish. Because he that winneth souls is wise. It's the wisest thing ones can do. And that's what basically this whole thing is. The sent ones were sent out to win souls. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, working with them. Because remember... The transference didn't take place. The new covenant didn't happen yet. They had it on them. We today have them in us. We got a, how can I say, a nuclear device within our soul to perpetuate us, to keep on going. You know, it's like that Timex commercial. They take a licking, but they keep on ticking. It's because Christ is in us to keep us going. He keeps us until that time. Life is like a vapor. It's here and it's gone. So now's the time. Today is the day of salvation. Not just for us, for you individually, but for those that we know, people at work. But you see, all this doesn't happen. And it's evident in their lives. There's one thing that's needed. And it's something that this church, that when I first came here, oh, I think it's like over 10 years right now, Margie? <laughs> yes, she's shaking her head, yes. Ask my wife, by the way. Plays the violin beautifully. I love it. 
She plays at home and makes me cry. I love it. It's, it's, it's amazing. The thing that is needed to keep this going Someone told me one time, I would get mad at certain things, especially at individuals, what they did, and, and, I, and, and I couldn't forgive them. And this person just said this one statement. She says, you know, doesn't it say somewhere in the Bible Love thinks the best of things. And I said, where did you get that from? She was reading the Living Bible. When she read that, and she told me, love thinketh the best of things. And when you look at Corinthians 13.5, or just look at the whole chapter, that's the love chapter. I'm not talking about love boat. I'm talking about the chapter. It's the chapter of our love, how we should be. Sometimes we as Christians, we go around like a, like a symbol, you know, hitting it. But there's no, nothing to it. It's just a loud noise. I was sitting in the mall yesterday, and that's where I like to read and as my wife goes shopping, because I don't like shopping. So I hit the food. We were talking about that today, too. And the noise that's there, it's so loud. I, I, when she came back, I told her, it's too noisy in here. I'm able to be able to count all that out, get it out of my eardrums, so to speak, or, or ignore it. But it was louder. I guess maybe because it's Christmas, more people, it's more boisterous, more echoey. And we come like that sometimes. But we need to know, love, think it the best of things. Love. And in Galatians 5, 6, it says this. And I'm going to end it with this, if you don't mind. Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision carries any weight. The only thing that matters is faith working through love. And that's an exact translation of the Greek. Faith working through love. We can have faith to move mountains, but if we don't got faith, love, that faith is worthless. It's love. We want to do the things of God. It's got to be love. Do you have a love for God? He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I and my Father will come and make our abode. You want the presence of God in your life? Start loving. Start forgiving. Start loving the souls that need to get hold of Christ in their lives so that they too can love. It's love. My last thought for today. In Luke 2.49, 
the parents were leaving Jerusalem and going back home. They were quite a few days out and they realized Jesus is not within the crowd. It's not there, not in their midst. They had to go all the ways back. You ever forget something? You're already in Tampa and you left at home and it's important, you need it, and now you got to travel all the ways back home. And especially if it's in rush hour, oh boy, I don't want to come over that Howard Franklin. They had to go back. And they questioned him and they found him. He was debating with the elders at the temple. And they come, you scared us to death. I'm putting it in my own words. You scared us. We didn't know where you were. We didn't know what happened to you. Hey, a bear could have gotten you. A lion could have gotten you. Maybe someone would have kidnapped you. Those are the fears we have today now with our children. Especially at the mall. And he turns around and he says this. Why were you so worried? Why were you so worried? I was about the father's business. Who's your father? Is it God? Yes. Are you about his business? I hope so. Because that's what makes the difference. If we're in love with him and in love with what he's done for us, we'll be about the Father's business. That's what it's about. That's what makes a church. That's what makes a fellowship. We're all about the Father's business. And the business of God is why Christ came. He came to win the loss. At any cost. And his cost was his life. His shed blood. His blood that speaketh better things than that of Abel. You have a love for God today? I pray you do. Read the 13th chapter of Corinthians. And they shall know you by your love. One for Another. That's what Christ said. They shall know you. Are you known for the love of God? Do people point at you and they ask the person next to them, are they for real? Do they really mean what they say? How many have had that happen to them? Because they've seen the love of God in you. Because they've seen something in your nature. They've seen something in your actions. They've seen something in the words that you use to express yourself. When I go at work, because I still work part-time, I can hear them as I'm walking up and they're using all these words that no need to talk about, but you got the drift. Four-letter words and bad expressions. But as I get close, I notice it gets put aside because they know I don't like it. Because if they do, I walk away. 
I stay away from them because of my love with God. I don't want to defile myself. I want to stay in love with God. I want to keep His love. Does God's love surround you? Does it engulf you? I pray for those that mourn and pray that God smother them in His love and His presence because I know what it can do for you. I know what it can do for someone. I know what it did for me. That's what it's all about. Let me close with prayer. The thing is this. They're the sent ones. Today, we're the sent ones. We're part of that group. We have evolved from generation to generation. We evolved to where we are now. The church of Christ. The body of Christ. We're the body. We're part of Christ. I pray that we can be like the apostles. We can be like the 70. Wait till you get to the next chapter. It's going to be exciting when you get there. Oh, I didn't want to get into that. But it's an exciting chapter. And it will take. You'll start to see how the drama unfolds. Father, in the name of Jesus, let everyone here experience your love before they leave this place. As we come and take communion, Lord, and do it in remembrance of him who died for us and shared his love for us and gave his love for us. Bless us. Keep us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.